0: You take God's precious word and turn the book of Proverbs, chapter ten. Proverbs chapter ten I had such a wonderful time uh, studying this verse. God willing, we'll be expounding verse three tonight. Proverbs ten, verse three. The title of the message tonight is "When Manna Is Served." When manna is served, if y'all had a chance. How many of y'all would like to taste of manna if you had the opportunity? I would too. I'd like to try it out. I'd just like to try it out. That'd be the neatest thing. Last week we began our study of pithy proverbs in uh, chapter 10. And proverbs, we learned, are brief. In each one may or may not directly relate to the proverb that comes after it or before it. And in verse 3 tonight, Solomon begins his next proverb by saying, look with me now in verse 3, the Lord will not suffer. The Lord will not suffer. Now the word suffer here doesn't mean suffer in the sense of enduring pain like we would use it today. Uh, in, in, or hardship, or something like that. But it means suffering in the sense of allowing something to happen. This word suffer is used frequently in the Bible, in that old, uh, archaic King James language. So, when you read the Lord will not suffer, then understand that it means the Lord will not allow. The Lord will not allow. The Lord will not permit the Lord will not let something happen. I was speaking to an older cousin of mine once who was telling me about my paternal grandfather. He passed away the year I was born, so I never got to know him. But my cousin, being older than me, he told me about a fond memory that he had of our grandfather. He said one day when he was a little boy, they were somewhere and there was a dog, a mean dog that was barking at him. And he was afraid that that dog was going to bite him. And he said he remembered our grandfather telling him, come over here and stand by me. I won't let that dog get you. And a memory like that, it's, it's a precious thing for uh, you know, a child to, to have, especially if the, the grandfather died when they were young, and they don't have a whole lot of memories. They can always remember that, that grandparent saying, I'm not going to let that dog get you. Come over here by me, I will protect you. So in the old English, my grandfather was telling his grandson, I will not suffer that dog to hurt you. That's the, the language of the king that we're reading here in the book of Proverbs. We're reading about our loving heavenly father who will not allow, who will not suffer a particular thing to happen to his children. Aren't you glad there's some things God will not suffer to happen to you? I thank God once I put my faith in Christ, He will not suffer me to perish. I thank God once I put my faith in Christ, He will not suffer me to ever be left alone from His Spirit understand that the only way God cannot allow something to happen is if God has sovereign power over that particular event in the believer's life. My grandfather, of course, the only way he could not allow that dog to bite my cousin was if my grandfather had some kind of power over that dog. Maybe it was a good swift kick, or maybe it was a whack on the dog's head with a stick, but I'm sure he had some way of keeping that dog in check. Or else the dog would have bit his grandson. In God, when we see here that it says, The Lord will not suffer. The Lord will not allow. We see that God has complete sovereignty over His creation. God has the power to allow. And God has the power to deny anything He chooses concerning your life. That's a lot of power. But that's God. And in this case, Solomon said, God will not allow, look in your text now, the soul of the righteous to famish. God will not allow, He will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. Now the word famish here, it means to hunger. Sometimes, at least in the olden days, I remember growing up, I would hear people say this from time to time. If someone was really hungry, they would say, I'm famished. Girls, y'all ever heard anyone say that? Good. I'm famished. And I thank God that He's always supplied my need. I thank God that He has always taken care of me. I've, I've been hungry, but I've never gone hungry. He always supplies the needs of those that put their trust in Him. That's a proverb. Mark this down. God will never suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. I've been meditating on that this week, and it's been such a comfort to me, such an encouragement to me. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. That's a good one to memorize. But at this point, we have to remember that the Proverbs are general principles. They're general principles. And as general principles, they must always be interpreted within the strict context of God's Word. They are general principles that have to be interpreted within the strict context of God's Word. If you did not interpret it within the strict context of God's Word, you would say, well, the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but I'm really hungry right now. How come He's let me get hungry? And that's not what God is saying. Generally speaking, according to the Proverbs, God takes care of his children. He provides their daily bread for them. Remember, that's one of the things Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus would have never told us to pray for God to give us our daily bread unless it was God's will that we get bread every day. That's the will of God. So generally speaking, God takes care of His children. He provides their daily bread. Sovereignly speaking, however, there are times when God intentionally allows the souls of the righteous to famish. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? If Solomon says God will not allow them to hunger... Yet we read in the Bible where God does allow the soul of the righteous to hunger. Does that mean the Bible is contradicting itself? No. The Bible never contradicts itself. So if you read here in the Proverbs that the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, yet you read somewhere else that God will suffer them to famish or suffer them to hunger, the Bible is not contradicting itself, it is explaining itself. It's where the general principle of the proverb gets defined by the, speci- the specificity of the text in the other place. Let me give you an example. Listen to what Moses told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2. He said, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. See that? And by the way, the Hebrew word translated hunger here, suffered thee to hunger, is the same Hebrew word translated famish in Proverbs 10.3 tonight. So he's saying, he suffered thee to famish and fed thee with man. I don't know if you're turned there tonight, but if you're taking notes, you you would definitely want to write this down uh, in your margin. Uh, You'd want to write down uh, Deuteronomy 8.3 He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger or suffered thee to famish and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. That's very important. He didn't say He suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna and stop. Stop. He said he suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know. Why is that important? We'll learn here in just a moment. Why did he do that? Why did he give them food they didn't know anything about and made them suffer hunger before he gave it to them? He goes on to say that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Moses specifically said that God suffered Israel to hunger, that he suffered them to famish. So this appears like a total contradiction against what we're reading tonight in Proverbs 10.3, which says the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. But again, it's not a contradiction, it's an explanation. You see, when God led them into the wilderness where they had bread, God did not allow them to hunger in the sense that God did not meet their needs. Remember, He gave them manna, God met their needs. He put up with them in the wilderness for how many years? 40 years. Now, if He didn't meet their needs in the wilderness, they would have never survived 40 years in the wilderness and made it into the promised land. So God, did, God suffered them to hunger, not in the sense that He didn't meet their needs. No, just the opposite. God allowed them to hunger so that He might make them know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of of the Lord does man live. You see by, by, by depriving them of food. They were forced to look to him. And take heed to his word in order to live. And what happened when they obeyed his word. They gathered up manna. That God sent down from heaven. And they ate manna. That nobody had ever seen before. That they had never experienced before. That their fathers had never experienced before. So God caused his people to hunger that he might cause them to eat. Are you catching that? He suffered you to hunger and gave you manna. Now if you start making that connection there, you're going to start getting a blessing. God calls them to hunger that they might eat. Specifically, he calls them to hunger for things, to de- be deprived of things that they knew, so he could feed them with something that they never knew before. Isn't that good? God caused His people to hunger that He might cause them to eat, which means God did not suffer them to hunger in the end, but to eat bread they would have never known had they never known hunger. Moses said again in verse 3, He said, He fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Here's a kingdom truth. We are often deprived... By earth, so we can be supplied by heaven. We are often deprived of earth, so we can be supplied by heaven. Sometimes we can't experience the manna until we experience the hunger. That's what happened to Israel. So God sometimes deprives us, so He can provide us with something far better in value. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, that in his service to God, he had been, quote, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst. How about that? What happened? God suffered the soul of the righteous to hunger. Paul suffered in hunger and thirst. In fasting's oftens. he says, in cold and nakedness. And then after telling them what all he had suffered for the gospel's sake, he then told them that he considered his sufferings something to be thankful for. Do you know why? Because by being deprived of earthly things, he was supplied with heavenly things. God did not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. He suffered him to famish in earthly things. He supplied him with heavenly things. You see, God's strength was made perfect in Paul's weakness. And Paul knew what he lost in this, in this world for the gospel's sake. He knew that there would be much greater eternal reward in the end. So God suffered Paul to hunger. God suffered Paul to in properly clothed at times. Because it tried Paul's faith brought God glory through Paul's persistent obedience to him through his sufferings and it allowed Paul to experience the power of the grace of God in his life which he otherwise would have never known. Just a few verses later after Paul talked about all the things he had been deprived of he says in 2 Corinthians 12:9 again just a few verses later he says most gladly therefore will I Rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said, Brother Richard, he suffered Paul to hunger. Yes, he suffered Paul to be empty of some earthly things so he could be filled with some heavenly things. And Paul said, I've been deprived of one, I've been supplied of the other, and I would much rather have the other. God did not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. He rather deprived him of one that he might supply him of that greater thing. God suffered Paul to be weak so that Paul may know a superior strength he would have never known had he not known weakness. God deprived Paul of strength that he may supply Paul with strength. You see? Physically, Paul was deprived of strength. Spiritually, Paul was supplied with strength. So does God suffer us to hunger? Yes. Does God suffer us to hunger? No. He suffers us to be deprived by earth that we might be supplied by heaven. He suffers us to hunger for the bread that we do know, so that He may fill us with the bread that we don't know. I believe many people who've lived a a close walk with God, at least for, for a number of years, would be able to testify to what Paul's saying that it was the loss of something in their life that actually supplied something that they desperately needed. It was God depriving them of one thing that enabled them to be supplied with something far better. Fanny Crosby was deprived of vision, but she was supplied with much greater vision. So that the things she saw doctrinally are still with us musically today. And had she seen with her eyes and not seen with her soul the things of God, then she being dead would not be speaking. He does not suffer the righteous to famish. Look now back in your text. But he casteth away the substance of the wicked. So here's how all this works out. The wicked can become very wealthy very quickly. The wicked can appear to be strong and even invincible at times on this earth. Just look at the drug cartel. Just look at some of the political powers that we have. And, and, and so the wicked can have plenty of earthly bread for a time. Plenty. They can have plenty of earthly strength for a time. They can have plenty of earthly influence and wealth for a time. But what God does for the wicked soul, or the soul of the wicked, is the exact opposite of what God does for the soul of the righteous. Let me repeat that again. What God does for the soul of the wicked is the exact opposite of what God does for the soul of the righteous. You see, God allows the righteous to be deprived of earth... Supplied by heaven. Exact opposite for the wicked. God allows the wicked to be filled with earth and deprived of heaven. Repeat that again. God allows the righteous to be deprived of earth and supplied with heaven, but God allows the wicked to be filled with earth and deprived of heaven. Now, I tell you what, I know which one I want. He fills the soul of the righteous. The soul of the wicked. The substance of that wicked soul. He cast away. Solomon didn't say God wouldn't suffer the wicked to have substance. Notice that. You can't cast away substance unless they have substance to cast away. So don't misunderstand what Solomon said. He said God cast away their substance. So the wicked gain substance that will inevitably inevitably be lost. The righteous lose substance that will inevitably be gained. Isn't that amazing? So that in the end, the righteous are filled and the wicked go hungry. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? There's a good example of that. The rich man... Fares sumptuously every day. He's clothed in purple. His belly's full. God allowed the rich man to be filled with earth. Here's the righteous man, Lazarus. He's sitting outside the gates. And God suffered his soul to famish. With one thing anyway. But Lazarus was a righteous man because he made it to Abraham's bosom. He made it to heaven. And then Abraham said when, when you were here you, you had it good and Lazarus had it bad but now look you're tormented and he's comforted. What happened? God allowed the carnal man to be filled with earth and deprived of heaven. He allowed Lazarus to be deprived of earth and filled with heaven. He did not suffer The soul of the righteous to famish. To this day, Lazarus is full. God gave Lazarus more than the rich man ever could have dreamt. So God will suffer you to famish. But what he denies you, he more greatly supplies you. That's a wonderful truth for us to take home tonight. And my glasses just fell apart. i got to go back and see that lady, Becky. All right. Father, we thank You so much for Your precious Word. Thank You, Father, that You do not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. Lord, sadly, the wicked, Father, their substance will be cast away. They will not have an inheritance with Your children. Just like the, the, the people, the, the Canaanites that Israel drove out, they did not have an inheritance. They did not have any lines of inheritance drawn for them. And you suffered your children to hunger in one sense, in the wilderness. But you did so, Lord, that you might fill them with an even greater sense, a sense of memory. Even so much that the food they ate was laid up in store for future generations to to, to see and know about. And Lord, I pray, Father, tonight that we will be the people, Father, who trust in your word, who look to you for all of our needs. We pray, as Jesus taught us, give us this day our daily bread. But help us also to remember, Lord, That when we are deprived by your sovereign will of earth. If we will trust in you. Lean on you. And remember that you are the God that supplies all of our needs. Then Lord we know Father that you ultimately will supply us with heaven. What we've been deprived of earth. And that with the Apostle Paul we'll be able to say that we glory in our infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest on us. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.